Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Hello, folks. This is the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a social media examiner production. I'm Jeff C., the host of this show and podcast and on the social team at Social Media Examiner. And I'm Grace Duffy, the producer of the Social Media Marketing Talk Show and a contributor to Social Media Examiner. Today, we are excited to be joined by today's guest, Jen Herman. If you don't know who Jen is, she is an Instagramming loving writer, a speaker, and social media consultant. She is the author of Instagram for Business for Dummies, along with other publications. And you can learn more from her site, Jen's Trends. And also, we're so excited to have her back as a speaker at Social Media Marketing World 2020, just 15 days away. Woohoo! It's coming quickly, folks. But today, we're going to be exploring Instagram's upcoming monetization program for IGTV and updated tools with Jen as we uh, get into the news today. We've also got Pinterest news with Elisa Meredith later in the show, so you want to make sure you stick around. So, Jen, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you. I'm excited. I'm excited for world. I'm excited to talk about all the new stuff today. It's all a whole lot of excitement and it's Valentine's Day. That's right. It's right. It is. So look, Grace making the heart shape with her hands for all you podcast <laughs> listeners. So Grace, tell us what this new Instagram kind of break down some of the news we've got going here on IGTV. Well, top of the news this week was Instagram is experimenting with new monetization opportunities for IGTV creators. It is internally exploring the idea of rolling this out to creators. This was discovered by our favorite tech tipster, Jane Manchin Wong, and it, she shared it on Twitter, of course. And then it was later confirmed by Adam Azari, who is the head of Instagram, also via Twitter. Instagram also shared with TechCrunch that it is prototyping this internally right now. And they're just trying to look for ways for creators to earn money by showing short ads along with their IGTV videos. The hope, of course, is that by giving creators a sustainable, hands-off way to generate income from their IGTV TV content, they might inspire more creators to come along and create their own high quality content as well. Now, some are curious, what's the holdup here? Why all this like, we're testing this and we're going to see. And we all know that Instagram makes lots of money. <laughs> Mazari, head of Instagram, also pointed out in his tweet uh, that uh, the company was first focused on making sure the product had legs before letting people make money off of it. So, Jen, do you think IGTV is there yet? Do you think it's proven itself as a strong product in spite of a somewhat slow start? Of course, that slow start is relative to Instagram itself, but right. still like, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, th this whole thing is a real, like it's a catch 22. Mm -hmm. And so the issue is if they come out too early with ads, then the users are like, well, I don't know if your content is good enough. I'm not going to stick around through mid-roll ads or pre-roll ads because they don't know the content creators well enough to know if they want to watch through an ad to watch the rest of that content. So to Adam's point, yes, they have to make sure it has legs. They have to make sure that people come to the platform, that creators are creating quality content, that their audience is watching it. But in the same turn, when content creators have monetization options on other platforms, obviously something like YouTube or even just Instagram stories, then why would they go and create, you know, five to 10 minute content or even longer content over on IGTV when it's not going to make them any money? So it definitely is this balance. And I'm sure that's kind of where Adam and, you know, is referring to, you know, it has to have legs. They need to know it can stand on its own, which was a slow start. Like we all know the first year of IGTV was not exactly successful. Now that we have previews available in the feed, it's made a big difference. Way more views, way more retention, a lot more, you know, in terms of pushing to the conversion side of it. So it's getting better, but it's still not doing what they want it to do. And yes, they have money to throw at it, but everything is still a business. And you don't just throw money at something that isn't going to make you money in return. So no matter how many billions of dollars Facebook and Instagram have, they're not going to just throw money at something and hope 
that it's going to work. They need to have a strategy. So I actually agree with Adam on holding off on this. And I think it's up to the creators to create quality content. And if they don't want to do it there, then IGTV will just go by the wayside and Instagram will have to just walk away from that option. So a few shows ago, we talked about Facebook's 2019 earnings call. And, you know, we shared that Instagram brought in 20 billion, that's billion with a B folks, in ad revenue last year. This was more than a quarter of Facebook's total earnings. So it's a big chunk. So it's not surprising the creators, IGTV needs their their content, but they're the ones making billions of dollars. And of course they want a cut of that. If you're making content, Mm -hmm. you kind of want a cut of that. And so YouTube currently shares ad revenue with creators on its platform and Instagram doesn't until kind of this this news has broken. So Mm -hmm. this timing of this is really interesting to me. Do you think this move comes from pressure with the rise of some other like video things like TikTok and now Byte from the makers of Vine? Or is it pressure from creators? I mean, do you think the the creators are pressuring them too? Like, why am I going to put any more time in this platform if I ain't getting the cut of it? And that's, I think it really is a combination of all those things. I think when Instagram launched IGTV almost two years ago, they thought it would just roll off the shelf and be amazing just like stories were because story was that direct competitor to snapchat but no one's going to compete with youtube and the fact that instagram thought they could compete with youtube fresh off the boat was like uh no like that was not going to happen and so yeah like now instagram is of course getting pressure from competitors i mean adam Lazari has specifically said himself yes we are afraid of tiktok But he also said, but we love a challenge and we love to be encouraged and we love that we're seeing how people are, you know, digesting content in other ways. So we're going to see more TikTok-y things happening in Instagram stories. Let's all just like accept that that's a reality coming our direction. But yeah, there's obviously all these external pressures. And when you are the biggest king on the mountaintop, everyone is coming for you. And so they have to keep trying to be different. And I really think... IGTV never did what they wanted it to do and they keep trying to fix it to make it more of what they want it to do. But yeah, I'm sure creators are pressuring them again, YouTube, Facebook watch, you know, all these other capacities that provide revenue because Facebook watch provides a revenue share with ads. So if all these other platforms are doing it and IGTV doesn't from a creator perspective, yeah. Why would I create content? That's not going to make me money. If that's how I make money as a creator. So they're all fighting. All those platforms are fighting for eyes. You know, even YouTube has stories now, which is kind of copying the story format that Instagram and Snapchat started. So they need good content so they can sell these ads. So kind of vice versa. Do you think ads, if creators get some ad revenue, it's going to make better content. I mean, will that, help IGTV if they can actually do this? I think so. Again, like I said, this is like, it's like a catch 22. It's like the chicken and the egg, right? right? It's like, you need one for the other. You can't have them both, you know, almost in silo. And it's like, again, they want to build the platform as a native organic platform. Like every platform does every new platform that comes out never starts with ads immediately because they want to prove that the platform is organically sustainable. But yeah, when you get to the point of something like IGTV, which is built off of Instagram, which has a huge base of creators and all these people who are relying on income and revenue, they're like, well, yeah, I'm not going to create content, but if you give me money, I'll create content. So there has to be some sort of balance. And again, that may come from a slow rollout, like Facebook and Instagram are known for where they'll pick 30, you know, key influencers to partner with and they'll get ads first and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say how, how they'll roll it out. But yeah, if in reality, if they want to keep creators on IGTV, they will have to create an ad space for them. So there's a couple of marketers that I really know, like one of our speakers, Celine Johnston, she kills it with, you know, IGTV content. What are some like, you know, some normal people like, like me? Uh, So what is the opportunity for marketers? I mean, if this does start rolling out, what, what do you see some like shifts that marketers can do to kind of capitalize on this? I mean, IGTV is meant to be longer form content, right? So it's it's minimum 15 seconds up to 10 minutes. If you have over 10,000 followers, you can go up to 60 minutes of upload content. So it's meant to be episodic. It's meant to be tutorial. It's meant to be like podcast style, whatever, like this longer form content. It's not these, you know, quick short type things as much. The biggest challenge I see for IGTV is searchability. Mm. We still don't have a good searchability function. And that's why YouTube is successful. 
because YouTube, you go and Google something and what's the first thing that comes up? A YouTube answer. Like that's what you get when you search for a question and IGTV doesn't show up in searches. IGTV, and of course they're competing with YouTube, needs to have some sort of searchability that makes it more functional for people. So from a marketer perspective, create the quality content that will eventually be searchable would be my advice. Cause I think that will eventually be the key. Create the content that puts you as an expert that shows your expertise that, you know, offers solutions for your audience shows how to use your product in different environments or quick fixes for things. Like if you're a plumber, do videos on how to, you know, quickly, you know, unclog a sink with different, you know, what do you have available in your home types right. things like get those that piece of content out there because it may not do really well now but if they're going to do what they really need to do with igtv and make it searchable those are the types of things that will i think provide the long-term value if it goes there <laughs> Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and there's a number of ways that creators can make money from their Instagram content and for brands to, mm-hmm. of course, market their products beyond just the ads program, right? So they are, there is the opportunity to work with influencers, which we will dig into deeper later into the show, actually. But <laughs> focusing back on IGTV, other than that search functionality, are there any other features or products or anything else that you think Instagram can bring to IGTV that'll actually be helpful to creators and to marketers alike to make it a more viable product? outside of maybe just the ads. Yeah, the searchability, I think, is really going to be the key thing for them for success. But again, it's the integration, right? And we're seeing them already like kind of counterintuitively do things that doesn't make sense. Like they took away the IGTV button off of the home feed and you're like, so you want people to use IGTV, but you took away the button. So the biggest problem has always been that it's a standalone app. That's the problem. People are on Instagram. They're watching Instagram stories. They're not on IGTV. I talked to somebody who's in our space who is a video expert and he didn't even know there was an IGTV separate app. (laughs) He was like, (laughs) what do you mean there's a separate app? And I'm like, no, there's an actual app. (laughs) And so (laughs) if somebody in our industry doesn't know that there's an app, like does the average person know there's an app? No. And they have to find a better way to integrate something in that capacity. Like we've obviously seen you know, the one minute feed or previews in the feed has been a big help, but they have to do more to make this an integrated platform because it's like when they took the boomerang app, which is a separate app, but they finally brought into stories. Now everyone's doing boomerangs all the time because it's in the stories app where they already are. When IGTV is such a standalone feature, it's always going to struggle. That's a great point. Well, this next point of news, I think, you know, a lot of end users probably thought was a great thing and, but actually probably scared the pants off a lot of marketers. And what it is, is Instagram announced new feature to clean up following list. And so Instagram rolled out two new category. <laughs> if you can't see it right now, the podcast listeners, but Jen Herman is dancing uh, in the, in, in the, the screen here. And so Instagram rolled, rolled out two new category listings within following tab that enable users to see which accounts they've interacted with at least within the past 90 days and which accounts have shown up the most by Instagram's algorithm. So this new tool is easy to access and found right underneath the following tab on your profile. You need to update your app, of course. So Jen, this is the question I have. So how does cleaning up your brand's follower list help marketers? Uh, it seems like that would scare a lot of people. So do you think it would imp- will improve engagement or make it easier for us to do outreach? So here's from an individual user perspective, this is great. You already know who's showing up in your feed. So when you see the most interacted with, it's like, well, duh, they're the ones who are in your feed every day when you log in. That's not really going to be a newsflash. But the least interacted with tells you the people that you're following that you are least likely to see. And this has been determined algorithmically because either maybe they're older you know, accounts that have stopped posting or they're just not posting frequently anymore. Maybe they've become a little dormant. They're people that you may have ignored in the feed that when you've seen their content, you've scrolled past them and you've taught the algorithm you don't want to see their content because you've ignored their content either subconsciously or consciously. Mm -hmm. So going through that list is the key because I don't really care about the, you know, most frequently seen because we know who that is, but it's the least interacted with. You can go through and see, oh, I forgot I was following that person. Oh yeah, they haven't posted since 2016. Unfollow. Or you can be like, oh, there's, this is from a marketing perspective where this can be good. If I see a brand in there that I'm not seeing content from and I'm like, no, I want to see them. Mm -hmm. I can go and train the algorithm to show them to me. 
So when I see somebody in that least interactive column, what I can do is now go to their profile, go scroll through their content, go like a couple of their posts. When you actively go to somebody's profile and interact with their content, it trains the algorithm that you are now interested in that content. So it's a way for you to now start seeing those people a little bit more. And if you continue to interact with their content when it shows up, they will go up in priority in your ranking. So from a marketer perspective, this can be good because if people aren't seeing your content, this is a chance for them to be able to start seeing your content again. But of course, it could go the other way where people are like, oh yeah, who's that? Unfollow, 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 unfollow. So this is where you want to make sure that your profile is set up properly. Make sure you have a really good, well-written profile bio that says who you are, what you do, what's in it for that person, that your content is quality content. So if somebody goes, I haven't seen this in account in a while, who are they? They come over, they go, oh, they look great. I want more from them. And they're more likely to now train the algorithm positively rather than doing the unfollow. So if you haven't done a quick hot wash on your profile in a while, you might want to go do that. <laughs> so yeah, here's the question I have. So is it just when you can go see that, is it just for when you post for, cause I know a lot of people, they don't post very much, but they they're going crazy on stories. So how is that going to affect it? Because in fact, that's what I do. I post more stories and I forget sometimes to even post in the feed. So am I going to have to reexamine my strategy? Like, Oh crud, I at least got to post like once, you know, every month I mean, or whatever. Yes and no. And and just to reiterate so everybody knows, stories and feed are mutually exclusive algorithmically. Mm. If someone watches all of your stories but ignores all of your feed content, their interaction with your stories has no impact on where your feed content ranks in their feed. They are mutually exclusive. They're like two separate things. But let's say I don't show up. I'm one of the least interacted in your feed. Mm. I'm least likely to show up in your feed, but you're watching all of my stories, (laughs) right? Which would never happen. But let's just say hypothetically, but if you're watching all of my stories, when you see me in that least likely to show up list, you're like, well, yeah, but I watch all of her stories. So you're not going to unfollow Mm. me just because I showed up there. You're just going to be like, oh, okay, well, you know, again, maybe I'm not creating a lot of content or you just don't watch that kind of content. So I don't think it's necessarily going to have that unfollow effect. If people are regularly watching your stories and they recognize your brand, they're not going to unfollow you just because they're in that list. So, but yeah, it is something that you want to consider. Like, you know, a lot of people have put such an emphasis on stories and they've kind of neglected their feed. And as great as stories are, and as much as those are the direction of social media with everyone embracing stories, you still have to pay attention to your feed strategy. You still got to make sure that you're appealing to people there because if someone comes to your profile the first time, they see you at an event, they meet you, they come in your store, whatever it is, they're going to go to Instagram. They're not going to see all your stories and archives. They're going to see your feed. So you always have to make sure that you have a strong, regular feed strategy, even if it's not Like I only post once, twice a month on Instagram, you guys. I'm not like crazy over here posting every day, but at least it's consistent and it's fresh. Mm -hmm. And that's what's important when you're creating content for the feed. Great points. Absolutely. So do you think that this cleanup tool is something that the average Instagram user really needs or is interested in? Do you think this is something that people are going to be rushing to go do on their <laughs> on their own profiles? Marketers are like, oh, new tools, right? Like shiny <laughs> object. Let's go run and play with it. The, because the moment you go and click on who you're following, it's right there at the top. It says right. least interacted with, like most in feed. Like So It's pretty obvious. And I think the average user will be interested in that information. Will they be as excited as we are? Probably not. Um, And a lot of people don't go and check their following. Again, not followers, following. So who you are following. Most people don't go and look at that. Um, So I don't think it will necessarily have a huge impact in in a lot of people's lives because they won't even know it's there from like all of a sudden six months from now, they'll go and click on that and be like, oh, when did this thing show up? (laughs) And they'll Google it and realize this has been going on for months. Um, But it is, I, again, the average user probably not going to pay that much attention to it, but if they are, again, this is a chance to use it to your advantage. And we always want to find the positive ways to use these things so that if someone does encounter this tool and they do end up finding your profile and that least interacted with, we want them to have a positive experience with your account that will actually work to augment what happens with you in their feed. Absolutely. Well, on that note, we have a few other tools that Instagram is either testing or rolling or has rolled out that we (laughs) wanted to quickly talk to you about. The first one 
It almost seems silly to talk about, but I'm going to do it because that's what I do here. (laughs) Instagram is reportedly working on a new video trimming feature that makes it easier to edit and upload uh, story clips into the app. So this new video tool was discovered by our favorite reverse engineer, (laughs) Jane Manchin Wong. Instagram actually has not confirmed details or told us anything about this. But in preparation of this, she is... um, Jane is actually very good. And so typically the stuff she does find does roll out within a matter of weeks or prompts Instagram to be like, oh yeah, we're working on that. By the way, is this something that the typical Instagram user is looking for or needs? I mean, I'm actually surprised that this isn't already in there. And, you know, it's a typical video trimming tool. Like, so the tweet that it featured it, it just looks like a little video slider that you see in every other app or product. Which is what it should be, right? We like, yeah. we don't want, don't reinvent the wheel all the time. Right. Like if this yeah. is what everyone's used to using for video editing and video trimming, let's just make it the same thing. Yeah. And I agree. I'm surprised it's not in there already. From the conversations and comments that I've seen about this, everyone's super excited about it, especially people that do a lot of videos. I mean, most of the time, if I'm going to put a video into stories, I'm recording it like a video of me talking or doing something. So I'm not reliant on a trimming tool, but yes, obviously we all know these are great things to have. If you have a 30 second video and you need to make it 15 and you like, now you don't have to use an external tool and crop it down and make sure it fits in the 15 second. And really it was 15.2 and now you got to go trim it again. Right, right, yeah. This is going to make life a lot easier for everybody. It's, it's like you said, kind of a no brainer. It's, I don't think it's, you know, earth shattering, but it's also kind of like, uh, well, duh, why haven't we had this? Yeah. And I know it's found in the wild and deep in some Instagram code, but like so many of Jane, she's hardly ever Wong. See what I did there? (laughs) But uh, so we want to know if you guys get this uh, video trimming tool, let us know uh, if you're listening to this podcast or in the comments, because this is a cool thing. It's if you're doing video, like, you know, it's so easy to go over like 0.1 seconds and then won't be accepted. And just like Jen was saying, I'm excited to play with it because I think it's one of those features. It's like, Duh, Instagram, we need this. So another, (laughs) yeah, exactly. So another quick mention, uh, Instagram allows users now to respond to stories with GIFs or GIFs, whatever you want, whatever tickles your fancy. Um, (laughs) But what's happening is Instagram users with the latest version of the app, so make sure you go update it, now have a new way to engage with stories. To respond to a story with a GIF, you can start typing reply in the text box and the icon will change to a GIF, which I think is kind of fun. We're doing it on Facebook. So, you know, what do you think, Jen? Do you think this will, I mean, so many times you'll do the, just the, you know, like the clap emoji and it's just like, Hey, I acknowledge you. You are a person. I'm moving on. And this is to me a little bit more. So do you think this will lead to more like kind of better engagement or is it just another fluffy thing? I think for gift lovers, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> and there, there's two people in the world, right? Gift lovers and gift haters. Right. Exactly. There's rarely anybody down the middle line. You either love them or you don't. Here's And so just to also clarify, this rolled out originally was looked like it was only for iOS users when the announcement came out last week. As of yesterday, I do have the feature as well on Android. But on Android, when you go to do a quick reply, there's actually a little button that says GIF on the right-hand side of the comment box. So you tap on that instead of typing in the word to get to it. So it's just a little different again between the two platforms. But yeah, so this is a great way, I think, to generate engagement. I've been talking for a long time about DM strategies, especially as it relates to stories, because stories, when someone replies, they do a quick reply, they do anything, they're now in your personal inbox and Mm. they invited you into theirs. This is a chance for brands to have a one-on-one conversation with their customers in a private setting about whatever. So it can be customer service, it can be help, it could be eventually pushing towards a sale, offering a solution, offering a discount. So having the GIF option, I think, will lend more to that. So again, you have a great story. And if you're a GIF lover and you're like, oh, I have the perfect GIF for that, you jump in, hit the, you know, the button or start typing, Giphy pops up, you find the GIF and it's a response. Now the brand can respond with a GIF. And now you have a GIF war going on. Like talk about building relationships, mm. talk about building community in a way that is actually valuable to that end user. So I, I definitely think this is a valuable tool. I think we're seeing GIFs kind of, you know, go crazy. And obviously, you know, from like the Twitter worlds and things like that, but obviously Facebook has made a big push for those as well. And now Instagram is putting more and more of that functionality in there. So I think it is another way to embrace that kind of engagement. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Nope. I think if there was a sixth love language, it would be gifts and that would right. be mine because that's how I respond to everything. I'm like, cannot properly process emotions. We'll send gifts. So. <laughs> that's true. 
Yes. So thinking of ways to leverage this update as an opportunistic marketer, do you think that brands, I'm talking about myself, not you. Uh, this is why I came up with this question. How do you think brands can create their own gifts to add to the mix of responses? Like, is that even possible? Is that something mm-hmm. that people are doing or can do? It is. And if you go and look in Giphy for OMG, or if you look for Jen Herman, you will find my Giphy's. Um, I have a bunch of them in there. And now I'm one button Jen. I don't do these things, you guys. I'm not the smart person. I just record the videos. I give them to Stephanie Liu and she turns them into gifts for me. And then she uploads them to Giphy. There's a number of other people that do this. And if you know how to do gifts, it's actually incredibly easy. Apparently, I just don't do things for myself. But yeah, you can record things. So if you wanted to, like, I've got an OMG, I've got an It's Amazing, um, you know, a why, like, why, 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 you know? So like, if someone's looking for those sorts of things, you can absolutely create those. And if you want to create something that's on trend, if you have an event coming up and you like, for example, even like something like Marketing World, you know, you could create a gift that has something to do with the conference or San Diego or something like that, that if that's coming up now in searches, people are using that. So there's lots of really fun ways that you could find for your brand to be encouraging you know, those participations. And that's the thing, if you go into Giphy and search Jen Herman, I have multiple gifts in there that if people know that, like, they'll be like, okay, let me go look for this brand. And like, they'll just start using them. So it, there's a lot of really fun ways you could take advantage of it. That's, that's really cool. awesome. That's it. So I'm going to look up your gift. I'm going to look up the Jen gifts, <laughs> the Jen gifts for gifts, <laughs> however, right. however you want to do it. Right. Right. All right. Rolling right along. FTC is now cracking down on influencer marketing on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. And it's very interesting that they chose those three platforms and we'll get into that. So switching our focus to the users, the next. So in a statement released by the FTC, they are going after undisclosed influencer marketing posts on social media that could trigger financial penalties. So the document specifies, of course, Facebook's, Instagram, TikTok, and then upstart TikTok, and of course, YouTube. So when company, they wanted the commissioners and they're going after this pretty hard. So they said when companies launder advertising by paying someone for a seemingly authentic endorsement review, this is called illegal payola. So I think I'm going to start using that. Let's make a gif of that. Can we? Let's do that. So you know, again, there wasn't any specific like we are going to do this, but they are. The FTC did outline plans to codify what constitutes incentivized endorsements, formally demand that social media platforms implement policies and rules of their own for disclosure. And then they're also requiring the influencer marketing contracts specifically outline the terms of these disclosures. So those of us that don't know, how do you think this update will affect influencers on the platform? And who do you see as an influencer versus a typical user? Because I think that on Instagram, like we're all selling something, right? You don't even have to be a marketer. You're selling this idea of your life, you know, one person I follow. (laughs) You know, the challenge with legal you know, repercussions is they're always lagging behind, right? Like, like the moment a law comes out, it's three years antiquated. Like it, yeah. the, the governmental system cannot keep up with the rapid growth of social media and how quickly things change and adapt in an online environment. So it's always a struggle. And I'm glad that the FTC is doing this. And this is something that I've told clients for years if you are working with somebody, you have to disclose it. Because even though by this, you know, law and all of these, you know, different, you know, movements that they're trying to make, they're talking about influencers. And of course, they're going to go after the big money ones like the Kim Kardashians or the Kylie Jenners or, you know, the big YouTube stars who have like billions of followers and they're making millions and millions in revenue. That's who they're going to go after because they can turn around and be like, great, give us all your money with all these fines. Are they going to go after this average small business? No, but eventually they will. And if you can be found, if the law was put into place in 2018, 2020, 2022, whatever it is, and depending on what that statute of limitations is, if they come and find you in 2026 and it's still applicable, you could be fined for all of those years retroactively. So we don't want to be like, you know, oh, well, no one else is doing it. We want to be legally compliant. Like we don't want to screw over our businesses any way possible. Right. So 
you definitely want to disclose. And that's as simple as putting hashtag sponsored post, hashtag ad somewhere clearly in the content. On Instagram, it's actually required by the FTC that it's within the first three lines of your caption. You can't bury it down as the very last hashtag in the 20,000 or a 2000, okay. you know, character post. It has to be disclosed up front. There is the branded content tool, which is now available to all users on Instagram. So you can be an advertiser or a creator. And so you can create branded content. So let's say, you know, if social media examiner said, Hey, Jen, we're going to give you a free ticket to this. If you go and talk about it, that's paid partnership. You guys gave me something in exchange for me talking about it and using the branded content tool eliminates all that problem because it says paid partnership with social media examiner. So it's clearly displayed and it's me saying I've been endorsing this product in some sort of compensation. That's basically what it comes down to clean and simple. If you've gotten a free product or you've gotten money or some sort of compensation for doing something, you have to disclose that that is why you're posting about it. So here's a tough question for you. So I can understand you doing that IGTV because you can put that, you know, hashtag ad right at the top or whatever in your description. What about Instagram live where you're like just going live? Do you start out saying, hey, this is a sponsored post by, you know, bearded men of America? I don't know. But do you, I mean, how would you do that on on a live video? Because that would still, I think they could actually come back because that does go and I mean, all sorts of things could happen. And that's, again, this is something where these are all gray areas. Like that hasn't been defined as far as I know. Live video and videos have not been in any way included in any of the legalese that I have read to date, which again, the legalese is way behind modern technology. Yes. In those situations, I would do your intro like, you know, hey, I'm Jen Herman. And in this video, we're going to be, and by the way, you know, you know, social media examiner is sponsoring this post. They've, you know, they've gifted me some incredible product for me to talk about with you guys. And I'm going to give you my unfiltered real raw opinion, but do know that this was provided to me by them to provide a review. So in some, like you can still make it real and authentic while still revealing that you got that product that you in some way were, you know, financially rewarded or something. But yeah, you absolutely should be still disclosing that at some point early in those videos that says, you know, I'm not just doing this out of the own goodness of my heart. (laughs) Or if you are like when I do actually post anything on social media that I'm not being paid for, I explicitly say I was not compensated for this post because people assume, Oh, this is an affiliate. Like, Oh, she's posting about it because you know, someone's paid her and I will disclose that I did not get paid. And this is a product that I genuinely just love almost because we're so conditioned to assume that anything promotional or, you know, influencer type probably came as sponsored content. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So at a time when fake, you know, quote unquote, fake is being picked apart and called to task by regulators. We make fun of it in pop culture. We do it in videos, you know, all this stuff. So what do you think brands really want from influencers on Instagram? Because there is an idea that Instagram is the stylized place, right? Like, like if I wanted to see my ordinary life, I'd get off my phone. Like, I just, I want to look at, I want to look at pretty things and pretty vacations. And so do you think people or typical users are looking for real or ideal on Instagram? I think it has to be a combination. So like there's fashion bloggers and, you know, fashion influencers that I follow. And do I turn around and buy every single thing they post about? Of course not. But I see their content. They're not always pushing. It's not every single post is, you know, the, you know, whatever the the link is to the, the like to know it or whatever it is. And all those things that, you know, you can buy all their products and everything is tagged. Those people drive me crazy and I unfollow them. But the people who are creating like, in, like real content, sharing what's going on in their lives, they're sharing that real authentic side of them are the ones that people are more likely to connect with. And if every single post is promotional, if every single post is selling a product or a service, people are going to tune you out. But if you connect with me and you're, you know, sharing content that's of relevance to me. Yeah. When I see those shoes, I'm going to be like, Whoa, mama got to buy them. And I will go buy them. Will I buy everything that person sells? Of course not. But I will see something that I would not have seen elsewhere because they happen to show it on Instagram and dang right. I'm going to go buy those just like Instagram ads. Like I'm notorious for like, I don't need this in my life, but now I have to buy it because it's in my feed and it's obviously well targeted and I will now have to own this thing. So it can absolutely work, but it has to be done with that mix of authenticity and sales, just like any business, right? I mean, if everything is constantly, you know, the megaphone, you know, buy the product, 
people are going to tune it out. You have to be creating relationships, having dialogues, conversations, reaching out to people in their DMs when they message you, all those sorts of things. And then people will absolutely follow through with, you know, that influence you have in terms of those products and services. That's awesome. So you wrote the book literally on Instagram. (laughs) Uh, So we want to make sure, uh, you know, where can people go find out more about you if they want to find out some more top secret Instagram information? Of course. Well, as you mentioned at the top, jenstrends.com, Jen with two N, so J-E-N-N-S, trends.com, or go on Facebook and search Jen's Trends in social media. That is my Facebook group. There's obviously a page as well, but the Facebook group is the lockdown, super secret breaking news place. Um, So whenever anything happens on Instagram, that's usually where I share it first. So if you want to stay on top of all things Instagram, come hang out on Facebook at Jen's Trends in social media. And don't forget, you can see Jen and actually walk up to her and see the incredible shoes that she's hinted about uh, from the start of this program (laughs) that she's going to be wearing at Social Media Marketing World. You can go find out more at socialmediamarketing.world. That's socialmediamarketing.world. Make sure to go check out, I think you said you were on the first day, right? Jen, so I am on Monday at 1240. So go check out her session. It's always awesome. It's always, hopefully you can get a seat because it's always packed. So you want to make sure to get there in time to see that. So uh, Jen, thank you so much. You're always such a wealth of information. So appreciate oh, it. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Thank you, Jen. Bye. Bye. Oh, I'm excited about Social Media Marketing World. 15 days. So let me bring I on know. our next guest. She is also super smarty about uh, her topic, which is Pinterest. So, uh, yes, we've got Elisa Meredith here coming on screen. Uh, Let's see, make sure. Yes, she's invited. Yeah, so uh, Jen is speaking the first day at Social Media Marketing World. And how many sessions do we have this year? It's like over 100, isn't it? Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, you, you caught me off guard. Like I'm sorry. every time I look, well, every time I look, there's more sessions and I'm, I kind of get derailed because I'm like, I want to, I want to see this one. I want to see that one. Yeah. Yeah. My app is filling up with sessions I want to go to, including yours, Jeff. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. So uh, next up we have Elisa Meredith. Elisa Meredith is a speaker and teacher on Pinterest and promoted pins. I, I tease her and call her the promoted pins princess. Uh, she is owner of marketing with visuals and a Pinterest product specialist at Tailwind. So we've got a lot of uh, Pinterest news to explore with Elisa today, specifically Pinterest soaring revenues in 2019 and a look ahead to what's to come on the platform this year. Hi, Elisa. How are you? Hey, Jeff. I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I'm excited that you're here. Oh, good. Hey, it's nice to be back. It's been a while. Yeah. So let's talk about the soaring revenues. Oh my goodness. So Pinterest reported better than expected Q4 2019 growth and momentum, and they contributed most of it to those shopping ads. So I'll I'll just quickly get through those numbers. Revenue reached up to 400 million in just the last quarter, which was a growth of 26% year over year. Totally blew analyst forecasts out of the water. Their annual revenue surpassed $1 billion to reach one point. 14 billion, an increase of 51% year over year. And again, like I said, they contributed this uh, impressive growth to properly implemented measurement tools, which we can definitely say they have been rolling out a ton of really great user tools and marketing tools. And also those shopping ads, which doubled towards the back half of the year. So of course, last half of the year, the shoppingest time of the year. Do you think it was more seasonal? And if so, do you think it's sustainable? I think you you put it really well when you said the shoppingest time of the year. Yeah. I mean, Pinterest is highly influenced by trends and obviously holiday season is going to be huge, but sustainable. I mean, I think if they keep building on the ad offerings that they're giving, yeah. And, and providing that better experience on the platform, which they're absolutely committed to. Yeah. I think it can grow. I think one thing that that will really help is finding easier ways for like smaller retailers to upload those product catalogs because that's what we're talking about, those product ads that come through catalogs. So hopefully we'll see some more like ease of use for the regular people too. Very cool. So, you know, Pinterest a little bit, a lot of these articles, and it's just not me saying it, but Pinterest is kind of a sleeping giant, Elisa. And Mm -hmm. I know you're a Pinterest ad expert. So why are Pinterest ads so important? 
Well, they work. So 50% of people who see them have actually bought something from them, which is saying a lot. Another thing not to overlook is the fact that Pinterest as a platform, you know, most of the searches that happen there, 97% of them are unbranded. So what you have there is an audience who is really open to discovering something new. So if you are a brand or a provider who has not had years and billions to spend on branding, you can get in at a really good place and reach people when they are open to something new and exciting. So when you're advertising, there's some really great new options where you can, um, they're not super new, but they're still great. Um, conversion ads where you can actually bid on, okay, I want to pay this much for a signup or I want to pay this much for a sale. And Pinterest will go and make that happen for you. A lot of it happens behind the scenes, which is really cool. But I can't remember where I was going with that exactly. <laughs> No, why? So the, why they're so important? Because I think a lot of people oh, yeah. are, don't know about Pinterest ads, and so I think you just explained it really well. So, why do you think marketers maybe they haven't even looked at Pinterest ads, but mm -hmm. maybe their Facebook kind of advertising is kind of slumping, or they they need to try some new areas? What should uh, yeah. marketers reexamine in Pinterest for twenty twenty? Yeah, so definitely look at the conversion ads and try those out. So it's a totally different kind of ad where you're not paying for um, so much for the clicks as you are for actions that Pinterest is like, they're doing most of the hard work for you, which is cool. Another thing to remember is because you're getting people typically at that really the top of your funnel, Pinterest ads can be great for building your email list and also just for like refreshing your retargeting list over on Facebook or anywhere else. You can get really affordable clicks from Pinterest ads. And even if you don't see them immediately convert to uh, like a product sale mm -hmm. or someone signing up for coaching services or something, um, they work really well to get people on your email list, which is, as we know, where the magic happens. Gotcha. So let's kind of talk about some of this, what's ahead for Pinterest, because mm. this new kind of fresh pins initiative, there was a webinar this week with Lucy Matthews, programs partnership manager at Pinterest. And mm -hmm. this was on Tailwind and you guys partnered with Pinterest on this. And so there's some discussion about Pinterest's official recommendations for optimal content distribution on the platform. And so if you were a pinner, this caused a little bit of uproar in the Pinterest community. And so this is big news that you guys broke first. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of walk us through kind of maybe the overview of this conversation and why it was so important? Yeah, absolutely. So Pinterest noticed that the pins in the feed that were getting the engagement that people seem to be excited about tended to be the newer pins. Right? So the first time it comes out on Pinterest, people were really reacting very positively to that. So Pinterest is like, we want more of that. So did something different. They don't often come out and say, here's an algorithm change. Here's how you should react. But this time they've given us a heads up and said, look, we have already started changing the algorithm so that relevancy and recency are both taken into account. Whereas before like relevancy and you'd see a lot of older pins was super important. Now we're going to see recency as a really important factor there. So if you had two pins that were considered relevant to a search or to a person or to um, like a, a season and they were both equally relevant, but you had one that was brand new and one that was a little bit older, that brand new one is going to start to climb in the search and get more distribution. It's a really big mind shift because so many people on Pinterest are used to curating content, like so sharing other people's content, sharing their own content over and over and over again. And that has worked for a very long time. And to some extent, it still does work. But what Pinterest is saying is that that has changed. It is changing. It's going to continue to change. So uh, it's in your best interest to start to shift your focus from curation to creation, which obviously takes, it takes more time, more effort, but in the end, it's going to work out better for people who are marketing on Pinterest, but also for people who are using Pinterest as someone who's collecting ideas and getting inspired. And we can hopefully we'll see more adoption of Pinterest as a platform more people coming to it as people are getting more excited about it and seeing great stuff every time they come, which is really good for everybody who's marketing on Pinterest. Absolutely. So let's talk about tactics for marketers. So how yeah. should people that currently have a Pinterest strategy or thinking about a Pinterest strategy, how should they be adjusting given this big news that you broke this week? Like what can they be doing like today? 
you know, Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. So today, um, well, you know what? That's actually a really good point. So a lot of Pinterest has to do with trends and seasonality. So being that it's Valentine's Day, I mean, it's a little late now, but <laughs> gotta work on the summer plans now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So um, do, if you're in the U.S., you can go to trends.pinterest.com and you can see like for your niche, when do certain keywords and certain ideas, when do they peak in the year? So start planning out your content calendar for that. And that will really play into the relevancy. And if you can get it out when people are planning for those things, that's just ideal. The other thing to do is if you have a piece of content that may be a little bit older, but is still really relevant to today and what people care about today, then you can make new images for it. So there's been a lot of question about, okay, well, what's a fresh pin? I thought a fresh pin is if I scheduled it or if I change a description or a hashtag or a title. A fresh pin is a new image the very first time it's ever appeared on Pinterest. So, and that really makes sense, right? Because what is Pinterest? Pinterest is the images. So when we're talking about fresh and new, it's the image itself. And so that's um, something that there's a little confusion about that. And like Pinterest is not saying you can never save the same pin again, right? So mm. saving the same image to several relevant boards is perfectly fine because you're giving Pinterest more context. Like, um, okay, I'm saving to my pie board. I'm saving to my Thanksgiving board. And I say, it's like Pinterest gets that context to match up with your image and then distribute where it needs to go. So that's good. Uh, what you don't want to do is just keep saying the same image to the same board over and over and over again in quick succession, because that looks like spam. Gotcha. Yeah, it absolutely does. <laughs> yeah. And gotcha. you could get flagged. Like, yeah, you don't want that. You want to keep your Pinterest account. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is a, this is a big deal for, um, yeah, it's it a is. whole different thing for marketers. And I uh, thank you for bringing that, those things up too, because no wonder people are like, what's going on? <laughs> I so, know. Yeah. New so. content. And, you know, I, I feel like I, I'm completely get it because I felt the same way when I first heard it. But the more we like dug into it and understood it, it's like, it makes sense. It's going to make everything better. Um, and it's really not that drastic. So you just hang in there and understand like people, some people are saying like, well, I'm just going to do Google. Well, but on Google, they want all fresh content. Like they want a new blog post or a new page. Pinterest mm -hmm. is asking for a new image. That's so much easier. Right, right. <laughs> and I mean, and every single one of those images links back to your site, right? So it is still yeah. generating that traffic. So, and also the one thing I want to also point out about Pinterest is unlike any other site, and I don't know that they necessarily, do they identify themselves as a social media no. platform no. their search right like it's, yeah. it's visual, visual search, right? search so, and discovery so there's an element of discovery too that's a little different exactly but still for marketers people that are um, promoting brands people that are promoting products people that are wanting to bring traffic to their business I mean I can't think of any other place online where you're primed to shop I mean short of Amazon right but like that's a whole other thing but like th there's no other place where I just want to look at like Venetian blinds until like right. you know, yeah. like, <laughs> and, and hopefully find some, right? So. Right. And the, the cool thing is like, you may not buy them today, but you mm -hmm. may save them to one of your own boards and then somebody else might see it because you saved it. And it just spreads. And, mm -hmm. and eventually like when you're ready to buy, you come back and you're like, oh yeah, that's right. I wanted that. And that's where the sales happen. All the time, all the time. <laughs> and, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And, and speaking of sales, there's an, more news about some stuff that's pretty cool. So Grace, tell us about that because that's pretty amazing. Oh. Yes, the new AR try-on feature for cosmetic brands. So it launched a new augmented reality feature, which will enable users to get an idea what uh, certain lipstick shades might look like on their face. So it's currently available for select products for a handful of cosmetic brands. Of course, they are rolling this out slowly. So a lot of those are like Estee Lauder, Sephora, Bare Minerals. The, you know, the big ones. So, I mean, this is a big grab for beauty uh, retailers looking to connect with their online customers in interactive ways, but it also builds on a lot of Pinterest efforts to create a more inclusive platform. I know that uh, they've they have other AR features. So I am super excited about this, but where do you see the next iteration of this AR try-on feature appearing? Where do you think it could possibly go? Yeah, so I first want to point out that I learned something very important from this try-on feature. And that is, I should never wear blue lipstick. <laughs> I look fabulous, by the way. <laughs> right. Yes, right. Yeah. But we don't all have your cheekbones, Jeff. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I think that the next, I mean, I'm just making this up, but it seems logical that the next direction might be say furniture, home decor, right? So you can have the pin and maybe somehow they can make it a transparent background. So you can actually see in your room. Like I've seen that kind of on, on other apps, like Mm -hmm. I think Wayfair or something, but that would be really great in Pinterest. If you could like put it in your room, snap that picture. Cause you can do that in the try on, like as you're trying it on, you can snap the picture and then save it to Pinterest really easily. So if you could do that with your room decor, you could be like, Hey guys, what do you think about this chest over here? And it will be actually in your room. So I think like home decor fashion, that'd be really cool. If you could see it kind of tried on your frame would be really neat too. It's just endless possibility. So I know you do a lot with uh, uh, promoted pins. Do you think this, like right now we're just seeing it for lipstick, but Mm -hmm. are they going to be able to target ads to this later? Do you believe? I mean, do you think this is going to be a play for paid promoted Uh, mm -hmm. pins? I would think so. Okay. <laughs> it would be a missed opportunity for, if they yeah, didn't. For, for brands, I think, especially like, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yep. So Alisa, cool. once again, very cool stuff. Thank you for the breaking news on Pinterest and kind of the switch in strategies that we kind of need to wrap our mind around. But yeah, um, if people sure. want to get more of this, where can they go find out more about you? Yeah. So typically these days I'm blogging at Tailwind's blog. So blog.tailwindapp.com. But you can hit me up on Twitter, Alisa M. Meredith. Be happy to hear from you. Awesome. And that webinar that we mentioned, we can find that on the Tailwind blog as well? Yes, it's on the most recent Pinterest. It's also on YouTube and for cool. that. So yeah, it's a unique opportunity to actually speak to Pinterest. <laughs> and you're one of their, but you're, yeah, Tailwind's one of their official partners too. Oh, so yeah. that is a unique opportunity. So this was their yeah. official, this was their official announcement of this it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. very, so very cool. quite a pleasure. Yeah, privilege. Well, thanks, Elisa. Thanks we'll see you. Me. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you. So now is a great time to mention that support for our live show and podcast comes from Social Media Marketing World 2020. It's just 15 days away. So people love this conference and here's why. It's the best place to hone your social media marketing skills and meet your favorite marketing rock stars like uh, Grace here. You can, she's going to be there at the conference. You can come see her. Tell her you love the show. Come up to her. She'd love that. I will be hiding in the background somewhere as well. And Jen Herman's going to be there. Tons of people we've had on the show. Uh, we would love to see you at, at Social Media Marketing World in San Diego. You can find out more at socialmediamarketing.world. That's socialmediamarketing.world. Go now. Grab your all-access ticket. We want to see you there. And you can always find out more about today's show and notes on everything discussed. Grace does an incredible job of pulling this all together, compacting it up, and putting it in the Social Media Marketing Talk Show Recap. It publishes on Saturdays at Social Media Examiner. Find out more at socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash news. Um, we'd also love to for you guys to subscribe and listen to our podcast. You can find it at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. New episodes publish every Saturday. We'd love for you guys to go subscribe and leave us a review because that helps us out a ton. Our next show here at the show is at Friday, February 21st at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. You can get on our calendar and check it out at socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash live show. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you to Jen Herman and Elisa Meredith for being our guest experts today. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Bye now. See you later. Bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.